You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. This is your host, Asher Matthew. And today is a special day because the guest that we have on today is... When I was to did my very first podcast, it was her podcast. So I feel super fortunate and blessed to be able to to have her on the show. Uh, so Angela, welcome to the show. Thanks, Asher. Glad to be here. Superb. So we're going to talk about generating content that converts. But first, can you tell our audience uh, a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are? Sure. Um, Angela Earl. I'm currently the VP of Global Marketing at a SaaS company called RFPIO. Um, I, you know, who I am, I'm a B2B marketer, kind of tried and true, right? I've always been in B2B, always tech, uh, haven't wavered from that. Um, different size companies, of course, different industries, but um, just really love B2B and love the technology space. Superb. And Angela's just being humble, but her company is on fire. I mean, if you don't know a little bit about her company, actually, you get to tell us a little bit about your company because I think it's super cool too. Yeah, it is really an exciting place to be, for sure. Um, we are in the uh, software space, as I mentioned. We do um, response management software. And uh, I humbly say that the pandemic has not affected our growth. We are growing like wildfire, um, really in an, a way that can't be contained at the moment. Um, just lots of changes in our space and our company. And yeah, really super excited. Well, as a salesperson at heart, Anytime I see an RFP, I just cringe because I know there's long hours right ahead of me. And so, <laughs> so I'm glad that somebody is taking on the challenge to, to simplify the RFP and the whole RFP process and, and, uh, and make it less formal than buying a house. <laughs> yeah, our goal is to make it not cringeworthy, right? So we really try and take the cringe out of RFP. Maybe that's our new tagline. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. I mean, it's like it's like I need to, again, like I, I just have these horrible fe- like feelings whenever I see an RFP. That, but once you go through them, it's great because every time you go through an RFP, you actually learn a little bit about yourself, and you you're forced to learn a little bit more about your company. And so it is, I would say, the best refining process ever because you do have to simplify what your company does, who is it for, and all of those amazing details. Yeah, definitely. I mean, not to make it an RFPO commercial, we can get back to content that converts, but I mean, content's kind of at our core. Um, We believe that, you know, the proposal managers, those responding are really who know your company best. And the content that they put together can really um, enable sales teams and other teams across the company in a way that um, most organizations are not taking full advantage of. So, Angela, you've been doing a podcast for a very long time. But what we want to do is start this conversation with with uh, everybody says content content is king, but in a world where you can generate content anywhere and everywhere, like what's your process of generating content, or how do you think about it? 
Yeah. Well, I don't know if content is king or queen. We'll have that debate on another podcast. <laughs> um, BuzzFeed says content's king and uh, distribution is queen, is which I like. Good. Okay, great. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, the way I think about it is, uh, content is really as an, a vehicle or an, a mechanism of getting a message out, really, and it's most simple. Um, I, I have an excellent creative team in-house, and one of the things we focus on um, around content is separating out types of content. So are you talking about design as content, copy as content, audio, right? There's all of these different uh, mediums of content, packaging that up and getting it out. Um, you know, again, that that distribution vehicle um, is really um, the most important part. And I guess just thinking about it to, in today's world, there's so many tools that you can use to generate content, right? But historically, like like give our give our listeners, because you're the expert here, right? Like give our listeners an idea of like how difficult was it to generate quality content and then how easy is it to do it today? And and I say this because a lot of our listeners are around the globe. So we're gonna have people from India or Singapore or Japan and all of those countries um, uh, are, are just getting onto this journey of becoming marketers, if you want to call it, right? Because there's like salespeople learning marketing and marketing folks learning sales. And it's hard to differentiate between the two now, which is great. But everybody is becoming a, a, a brand, it just seems like. Yeah. And everybody thinks they're a marketer, to be fair. Um, I mean, these conversations always drift to quality versus quantity, right? You can't really have a conversation about content without winding up there somehow, um, in, in my experience, content is, has never been easier to create. Good content has never been harder to create, right? The, the space is so noisy. There's so much out there as we started talking about that, you know, throwing up a podcast or, or getting a blog started or writing something on Medium. Um, there are lots of ways to generate content, lots of really easy ways. Um, I was talking to somebody recently, you can pop up a, a Slack workspace in about 45 minutes, right? It doesn't take much longer than that to create a, a place and get some content out there. But to get the engagement, to get the reach, and then to generate content people actually want to listen to or read, that's where the struggle is. And in a noisy world, you have to be better and better. The bar is going higher and higher to get the attention. So, so let's unpack that a little bit, because as I've now done, I want to say, 40 of these podcasts myself, right? And then you're the podcast queen, right? Because that's where I got the inspiration from, right? And 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 I like over the first ten podcasts, it was just about learning how to do a podcast, right? Or as we were looking at blogs for my own company, like there was like the first ten blogs were just learning how to do a blog, right? But then as I started to go down this journey, it started to become a little bit about values that I have or that my company has that I felt started to get displayed in the content that was being put out there. And is that a similar journey that you had as well or or or, 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 or people find themselves making a point of view, but then their values start showing up in, in the content? Like, like, what are your thoughts on that? I think you just touched on the core of the difference between good content that's going to see engagement and, and content that's not, right? Authenticity, I, I hate the, the phrase now more than ever. It's so overused. But genuinely, people are seeking authentic connection, 
right? And so when you can listen to something and you know that it's from the heart, you know that it's from passion and it's real, you're, you're drawn to it. Um, and so you have to cut your teeth. You have to learn somewhere, right? We've all written a really crappy blog post that we hope yes. never gets seen, right? <laughs> um, but once you find your groove and you actually find your voice, um, whether that's a written voice or spoken voice, I think that that starts to show your listeners, your audience, your readers are going to pick up on it. And, and that's when things take off. Yeah. And I would also tell this is for the audience that I think brands feel like the podcasts or avenues like this are for the audience or like general media, right? Or the general audience, right? But so much of this is actually for the host and and the guest. And 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 in the beginning, we used to rush these. And now we absolutely do not rush any of this stuff, right? We take our time, we we make sure that that it's done in a in a very calm, cool manner where people are having fun because the guest is spending time with you and the host is spending their time. And I feel like like nobody should, uh, should, should take any time away from making sure that quality time is spent with the guest. I couldn't agree more. I mean, one of the things that getting Martok off of the ground taught me was exactly that. Right. If you get on with a guest and there's there's not a connection, you've never spoken before, you're, you're just sort of in this awkward, you know, first time meeting place. It's going to come through. It's not going to flow. It's going to be super awkward for everybody. It's like eavesdropping on a really awkward conversation, which nobody wants to do. I feel there. I feel like that's what Clubhouse is for. Because. <laughs> <laughs> Because every time I'm at a clubhouse thing, I'm just thinking, wow, who else is listening to what I'm saying? And or or when I jump into a clubhouse conversation, I'm thinking, wait, am I eavesdropping? Is this rude? Should yeah, I am say I supposed something? to be here? Exactly. <laughs> and, and and then one of these, I'm getting you this. On one of these clubhouse episodes, there's gonna be the Jerry Springer moment, and people are gonna be like, WTF, you know? And, and that's gonna be a meme. <laughs> I feel yeah. like that's just waiting to happen. For sure. So, so, so back to just like content and specifically, let's call it podcasting in general, because I feel like, like this podcasting wave just exploded. And I guess it was always there. Maybe I just got into it a little bit later and you were doing it for way longer than I was, was, but, um, but, but what, what are some of the tips for, of, of, uh, great podcasting that, uh, that you have? And then I'll add mine to that list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the first we already touched on, be you, right? Nobody can be you but yourself. I mean, we hear that said all the time. It's it's not truer in any other medium than when you're the one hosting a conversation. Um, the other is, you know, be fill a gap, fill a need, right? So, I mean, podcasting is one of the things, as you pointed out, that's exploded. There's so many new podcasts. You look on iTunes or Spotify or any of the places and I'm like, holy crap, there's a lot of podcasts out here. Um, so don't try and just do what everybody else is doing. Like, don't jump on the Me Too movement in that regard, right? Like, see see something that doesn't exist. With Martok, I started it at a time when there really wasn't a lot of talking about marketing operations and the technology around um, good, solid stacks, right? I mean, we wanted to give voice to 
the people doing the work and not the executives that were guiding the team. Not that there's not a role in that. Hopefully I'm valued by my team, but my perspective is a lot different than the person with her hands in Pardot every day. And so we really tried to have that, you know, meet the need of bringing those experts to the forefront and saying, look, you're doing this all of the time. Tell people how, how they can do it too. Um, So we try to fill a void. So, so do that. Um, And then, you know, the third thing, it's to know your limitations. I think you you touched on, you know, you have to cut your teeth. There's a lot to learn in podcasting, um, but know what you want to do and what you're going to be excited to do and know what you're not. For me, I didn't want to learn about how to record and edit and yes. sound editing is not a passion of mine. Big surprise, right? I'm, I'm excited about the B2B tech world. So I focused on that. I focused on finding the guests outlining the conversation. For me, it was all about the content. Um, And I partnered with uh, someone that was excited about the recording and the production and the editing of it. And he does that part. And together we make a power team because he's stoked on what he's doing. Glad he doesn't have to talk to people. He gets to do it in the studio. (laughs) And and I'm, you know, the the front of it and don't have to worry about, you know, getting it recorded and, and live. Yeah. So that's actually a great point because even though you have, we call this a podcast, right? But it's really just time with another human, right? And and it's like one-on-one time. And the format of the podcast can actually be different based on different people's styles. So what we do is, um, at Demand Matrix, which is the company that funds this, uh, all of this amazing uh, work that we do, uh, we make all of our executives be hosts. Every single executive that's customer facing is a host. And and it's because connecting with other folks in a meaningful way, I feel like there's no other way than a podcast, especially since through based uh, through what we just all went through last year, right? Uh, Because everybody is coming onto the podcast to do something and have a point of view. And, And you're working with them on something. When you work with somebody on something, there is a bond that that gets created, right? And and all these and all like high, uh, let's call it VP level and above executives are all always saying, "Hey, give me customer feedback, give me this, give me that, etc., etc., etc." But if you just became and then they, they sit in these like customer advisory board meetings and and they're like seven hours long. Um, and then a whole bunch of like stuff gets like put together and then a list of 15 items gets put together that gets prioritized to five, that only two items get done, right? I feel like this medium is so much better just to create uh, meaningful human connections because you're working on something together which you're aligned on and you're spending time. So we actually pushed all of our execs to say, look, everybody has to do three podcasts a week and they could be great, they could be crappy, but you are going to learn something you about yourself them. and the market market. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're getting at is shared experience and podcasting is a way of doing that. Um, you know, throughout the last year, you know, people are craving it and it's harder to get than it ever has been. Um, and flat Zoom meetings aren't going to do it, right? I get, I can see you, we can talk. There's not shared experience in us sitting on conference software, whether that's Zoom or Teams or whatever. Um, I think it's it's why you you want that connection, but it's why things like direct mail, me getting a blanket delivered to my house or, you know, the happy hours that have popped up 
um, you know, I think of the difference between someone hosting a happy hour that's just all of us jumping on a Zoom versus a very meaningful uh, bottle of wine and a, and a glass that shows up at my door. And then we get on a call together to have shared something tangible, right? Podcasts give you that because you're creating something that now exists after that moment. Um, and I think that's so critical right now. And, and I think with what we just went through last year and now it's actually okay to be human at a workplace, i.e. your kids, Finally. your dog, <laughs> everything that's coming around is okay. I feel like like podcasting as a medium actually helps you accelerate that connection because you're at home. It's okay. Like I was on the phone with Craig Rosenberg, our good friend. Uh, uh, sorry, on a podcast with Craig Rosenberg, who's, uh, uh, who was at Topo. And his kids were yelling. And then he literally paused the podcast to go yell at them. I'm like, it's okay, dude. Like, let let them let them be a part of this thing, and and let's let's enjoy, right? And then one day I was uh, on a podcast, and uh, and my son just walks up and he goes, "Hi, daddy," and and so I just picked him up and said, "Okay, you know what? Why not just have my kid in the podcast too and give him an early start at all this stuff?" So I feel like the human connections are are way way more deeper now based on this format than anything else. Yeah, we've definitely broken some some walls that were between those spaces, right? Um, I have long been a believer in work-life integration, which is something my team hears me talk about all of the time. I stopped striving for balance five years ago. Um, and, you know, when I started my agency was really when my life got integrated, um, I was taking care of my elderly grandmother who had dementia, who was in the other room. Talk about dogs barking. She she would make noise. And I had to explain, you know, there's not a body hidden in the closet. Right? <laughs> like Nothing bad is going on here. Um, but my life kind of the vulnerability was forced on me in a way that um, I'm never going back. And it's really refreshing to see other people kind of embracing that integration. And I'm super excited as a B2B marketer to see what that human element does to marketing, right? We have, we have preached customer experience and human to human marketing and all of this stuff, but I don't feel like we've really lived it until now. Right. And so how that's going to start affecting our podcasts and our other kind of content uh, will be fun to see. No, I, I, I don't think, and, and, and maybe we can shift a little bit of gears in, uh, gear into, I feel like reaching the enterprise or large enterprise executives, podcasting is great for, um, I would imagine, as executives, both of which you and I are, as we think about stretching our program dollars, right? Because all of this is funded by something, right? If, if we did this for mid-market or the SMB market, right? then it could be cost prohibitive. Now, is that how you think about your avenues of content creation? I mean, I really look at it in through a community lens, right? And podcasts is a community of people, right? Not everybody listens to podcasts. A lot of executives, I think, listen to podcasts. Um, but it's tapping into the communities that exist and then having something meaningful and authentic to say, right? Whether that's on your own podcast or on someone else's podcast, um, I think that's where you get that connection um, and you, you connect on shared topics of interest. You know, B2B marketing is one, but there's podcasts about, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. But I guess I guess we're, what I'm thinking of is, is how does one scale this idea, right? Because this is such a fun, engaging, natural way 
to record or generate content? How does one scale? And 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 I'm going to say this, and I'm pretty sure somebody's going to pick this up, right? But what if your entire sales team did podcasts, right? And uh, and we were talking like the other day in another conversation, right? Like Marketo had uh, 50 fearless champions, as they call them. They would take their banners, post them everywhere, and stuff, right? But if you're a salesperson, and 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 again, I'm on the fence. Like maybe you have a viewpoint on like enterprise versus mid-market, like, can you use this effectively in either segment? But I'm thinking if you had a sales team of 300 people and 300 people did podcasts, right? That's like 300, like, pieces of content that just got generated in no time, right? Now, the editing of that, this could be a nightmare, but I'm sure there's programs out there uh, that can help us with uh, with the editing and and you know just putting the right like banner ads and right text etc cetera, etc cetera, uh, on it uh, or the post production would be great uh, could be uh, done via via software but I'm just thinking if you have a sales team of like three thousand people and those guys are are leveraging podcasting as a way to create a connection and and have an opinion on a shared topic I think that could scale like royally. I mean, it certainly would scale. I'll take us back to where we started on the quality versus quantity, though. Yes. I think you'd have to have that 300 person or 3000 person sales team. Everybody would have something meaningful to say. Yes. Right? I think we see this on LinkedIn shares as a really simple way, like those people that are doing it meaningfully have impact, right? Yes. Social selling. Yes. Uh, those that are just parroting the company shares and, and sharing something somebody else shared. Yes. It's falling flat, right? One yes. gets thousands of engagements, the other gets single digits. Um, so certainly it is a, a way that you can scale quickly. You can reach lots of people quickly because you're tapping into Spotify's audience or iTunes yes. audience yes. that already is there and seeking out podcasts to listen to. Yes. But I, I'm sure you've done it too. I've listened to the first episode and I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> right? Like they only get one shot and I don't go back and like pine through the hundreds of episodes to see if there's gold in there, right? Um, so you want to make sure that all 300 of those people have a unique POV um, or something engaging to do or to, to say. Um, but then, yeah, you could you could certainly- But, but isn't it interesting things. because we, we spend so much time in enabling salespeople to be themselves, right? Yeah. And we do RKOs or revenue kickoffs or sales kickoffs, and we do these like mid-year check-ins, and we create these amazing incentive plans, and we tell them, be yourself, channel this sales process, and then we and then we give them no avenue to actually go be themselves, and then they're stuck on Zoom meetings, right? And yeah. and I and I feel like 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 if if this if somebody tried this, unfortunately at this company I don't have three hundred salespeople yet. Knock a word. Uh, but but if somebody actually tried this as like an experiment where you have three hundred people um, connected with the the top five people that they really cared about, like like care, not sold to, but cared about, right? Uh, in the in the industry, and that would generate I would say fifteen hundred. 15-minute conversations. and I mean, layer it into account base, right? I mean, imagine if they took their target accounts and said, my goal is to get somebody from every one of these target accounts on my podcast. Yes. Yeah. And and you could scale this thing and it'd be such a fun way to do it. They would have my attention. I'd pay attention if somebody wanted to try that. (laughs) Exactly, right? And just think about it, right? Because, like, I mean, we'll take your company, for example, right? What if 
we we not your company, but like the audience that you're going after, right? RFP generators and RFP processors. Probably nobody talks to them, except for salespeople that want to tell, sell to them, right? But they, what if you're like the un, unsung heroes a lot of the right, time? Right, but there's so many of those, right? The data scientists that build the data models that sales teams consume that nobody talks to. Like, there's all of these amazing people. I am sure that if there were a targeted audience where you actually said, "What? let's figure out what makes you guys take. And I'll tell you the journey that we took care of it. We first said, just like any other company, let's go target the C-level. And then we realized that all the C-level already gets enough branding, engagement, paid media, all this stuff. But the people behind them, the people who are actually trying to operate and get things moving in the directions where the C-levels are all agreed upon as a strategy, right? Nobody is spending enough time with them and helping them share actionable insights of how they get through their days. Complete niche, right? And then we just triple down on that. That's how Sunnyside Up begins with what it, what, it, what it is. But I'm sure like, like, I would love to talk to 50 different people who build RFPs because I'm sure they have a process. Nobody, I don't think that's much has been written about it. So I guess we'll just pick your company for example. But Stay I'm tuned. sure we can pick. Well, <laughs> well, we can pick so many others, you know. Yeah. So okay. So let's talk about other forms. Again, you're a seasoned marketer, and so podcasting is just one way, right? We spend a bunch of time on that. But let's talk. Give the audience, uh, especially because our audience is global, right? Um, a, a couple of tidbits on other forms of content that you believe is worth spending time and learning about? Yeah, I mean, I, going back to, you know, that, that filling of the gaps, I think it, it varies. You have to know your audience. You have to know the people you're trying to connect with. And um, whether that's because of geographic location, whether it's because of your industry, um, I think the types of content that are going to work to engage people and to connect people are going to vary. For us at RFPIO, you know, if I go back, um, it's a unique story in that I, you know, I just joined officially a little over a year ago, right before the world turned upside down. Um, but I've been a part of RFPIO's journey since the founders founded the company, since we just had beta users um, as a consultant. And so it's a part of creating the brand. And we were unique in that we didn't have a noisy space like a lot of a lot of other sectors are dealing with. There wasn't a lot being said, to your point, about proposal management, RFP response. It was just you sort of Google it and it was the one thing that kind of fell flat and they tried to put you in another category of, of content. And so we just started with blogs and customer stories. It was like we had a point of view. We had a perspective. We wanted to get it out there. The blog let us do that. And then we wanted to make heroes of the un unsung heroes that were our audience. And so we told their stories. You know, here's how what they were struggling with. Here's the challenges they were facing. And here's how they overcame it. And we really made them the focus um, early, early on. And I think that's part, you know, a testament to our PIO success was that we never tried to make us the the hero and just like your podcast you're not you're not trying to be the guest you you just want to host people that you want to hear from um, and a lot of the most successful podcasts do exactly that they seek out experts and give them a platform to share their point of view oh i just thought of another one as sales teams and marketing teams get trained people should bring like broadcast journalists in for, for them to help them share their process 
they, so that they can make their guests super comfortable. Because so much of this is about the host making the guests super duper comfortable in the session so that they have high moments, right? And if you can do that, I feel like broadcast journalists have figured that out. Maybe that's another part of the podcast team. Everybody needs a, they're going to become the counselors of podcasting. <laughs> well, well, there is the therapist of podcast host. So I'm sure there's a Reddit group somewhere there too. <laughs> Great. Um, but yeah, I mean, p- blogs, the customer stories, you know, I not to take us back to podcasts, but um, I remember having a debate kind of early 2019 with a, a good friend of mine on whether video podcasts were going to take off. Um, and he was he was sure of it. He was doubling down on it. He was going all in. And I I wasn't so sure. You know, I listened to podcasts on my commute. It's like, I can't stare at my phone while I'm driving my car. It's dangerous. Um, and I think, you know, I, I would have expected if, if there was going to be an environment where video mattered as much, it was going to be during this pandemic. And at least in my experience, people are sick of staring at screens. We don't want to look at the screen. We want to turn our video off. We want to take the dog for a walk and listen right. while we're doing that. Right. Um, I've seen people walking outside staring at their phone. I'm waiting for them to trip, right? I mean, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so knowing your audience, knowing what they're going through, I think will inform what mediums really make sense. Yeah, no, this, this is, that's great feedback. And I think like, one of the seasoned marketers, uh, when I was looked, uh, starting to become a student of marketing, because I was my background was sales, and and to be successful in the world, you do need to appreciate what other functions do. And so finally, I always used to think about marketing as this evil, but then I, I got a flavor for it. And then I'm like, to do this well, you have to be a student of it, right? And one of the first pieces of advice I got was like, go call 50 people who you want to earn their business from and find out where they go to read and get the news that they want in the mediums, right? It's such a golden rule, right? And uh, uh, and that's what I did. And and then and then it just felt like like podcasting was a great way to connect with the executives and have a one-on-one moment with them. And so and you go build something together, right? Which is super super cool because all of us are now you're marketing a podcast. Building. Exactly, now we're marketing a <laughs> podcast. You know? It's just like be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Exactly. Be careful what you say you'll never do. That is a, a life lesson there. <laughs> See, and now we're headed towards the therapy of podcast ready channel. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And segue exactly. podcast media. That's great. Okay. I, I think we've given people enough to think and chew about because we covered podcasting and the tips to how to do relevant podcasting and just think about where in your content mix podcasting fits in. Um, would it be okay for people if they wanted to reach out to you to reach out to you? Absolutely. Yeah. The best way to do that is on LinkedIn for me. Um, speaking of, you know, places people already are, that's, um, the best way to reach me. I'm on there all all day, every day, practically (laughs) not while I sleep and not usually while I'm eating, but other than that, I'm on LinkedIn. I feel like the only thing LinkedIn is missing in their app is a phone or a dialer. Because if that was there, you would not, as business professional, you would not need anything and else. And a spam filter. Can oh, we yes. also say and a spam filter? <laughs> and a spam filter, yes. 
Yeah. Well, the dialers have block because your phone, like your iPhone or your Android phone, has a blocking agent in it, right? So, like, if the dialer was there, you would have the blocking agent in it potentially already. One but, of the best things Apple came out with was the spam label. Yes, when someone yes, calls me and yes. it says spam. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right away, you know, okay, I'm not picking this one up. Cool. And I guess we always do uh, this part of the, the show uh, because the history of this podcast is we had an idea who we wanted to connect with, but there was no strategy. And and then all we did is we asked other people to, or our guests to share who would be two or three other people that they recommend we talk to who are passionate about go-to-market or data science, right? And and that's how we got to hundreds, uh, hundred and something episodes now. And, and so much of this, as you rightly said, is about community. This podcast for sure is a, is built by the community because everyone that comes on to the show refers it to other people that we bring on to the show and leaves their legacy, a little part of their legacy with us, right? So I'd love for you to to to, sh- uh, to give a shout out to maybe two or three people who you respect and believe that are great either in the go-to-market field or in, data, or in the data science field uh, that we can bring on to the show as guests. Yeah. Um, I mean, my go-to da- data person uh, for all things data has all long been Brian Shaneman. Um, Brian was uh, a part of my agency. We worked together for a long time. Uh, he works for Dunthorpe Marketing here locally in Portland. Um, he's who I would go to for that. Um, Scott Vaughn is another. He's at Integrate. Uh, he's who I go to when I need advice on hard things. Um, follow him, read his content. Um, I would definitely recommend that. And we're talking about content, so I can't not mention Anne Hanley. Um, of course, she is truly the queen of content. Super. And where is Anne today? Does she run her own show or is she some, at some company? She does. She has um, she has all sorts of content, podcasting being one of them. Marketing Profs is her, her gig. Um, she hails out of Boston. Okay. Super. Yeah, well, we look forward to have uh, more people that, that can educate us on how to do some of these things better. And and actually, like uh, more people that can educate our audience, again, which is global. So it'd be awesome to, to to get the word out there. I mean, it's so cool when you get notes from somebody in Thailand that reached out and said, hey, I'm going to start a podcast thing. Like, can you give me some pointers on how to do this stuff? And, and I feel like it's 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 great. And, and you know, pre-COVID, you would think that, oh, I got to go to Thailand and sit down with them and help them out, et cetera, et cetera, because that's how people thought, right? Now it's yeah. uh, jump on a Zoom. Yeah, great. Let's go do it. And so it's normalized it for sure. Yeah. Well, great. Well, Angela, thank you so much for coming out of the show and uh, and spending time with us. Uh, this definitely goes down as the the fun, one of the funnest conversations I've had all year long. And, and I've known you for a long time. So thank you for coaching me in the beginning. And, uh, and good luck on your journey. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We'll have to do it again sometime. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.